0: Last week, we had a nice talk about some
1: different... I hate different... you say, like, nice talk about suicide topics. Well, it was a nice chat.
0: Uh, this week, we're going to talk a little bit about farms and rural America and opioids. Yes.
1: Yeah, so this will be part one of two.
0: Maybe. Part um, one of two. And we had... Uh, It'll just
1: be a lot of data that'll be hard to process in one episode, I think, but we we'll our, see.
0: We had our friend Ruth on.
1: Ruth Merrick from the Minnesota Farm Bureau Federation... She is the foundation director. I cannot say that ten times fast. I think so. it's.
0: I think it's interesting that. Um, I think if you ask people, hey, uh, can you believe it? The Farm Bureau does a whole bunch of stuff around opioids. It's
1: so weird. I, I. mean, not weird. We had her on once before, and this was back. Back when this first study they did came through, but I just think it is very interesting that that is who is doing this research. Yeah, like you said on opioids and. Yeah. I remember
0: when we had her on the first time, I was like, is she going to talk about farm animals that are taking opioids? Because that makes no sense. It wouldn't fit in with what we're trying to do.
1: Although, fast forward, xylazine is a farm animal drug. Horse drug. Yeah, so, I mean, let let me just make that close the loop. Anyway, so the American Farm Bureau Federation actually did a study in 2017 and repeated it just last year. So this is... I loved this data. It's a little overwhelming, which is why we're going to split it into two episodes. Maybe. Maybe. So, what they did is they did a survey and to explore the impact of the opioid epidemic about, uh, <laughs> I haven't eaten lunch yet, among the rural adult community. They did this in October of 2017 with a sample of 2,201 rural adults. So,
0: this was actually pre fentanyl too. For the most part.
1: Yeah, and pre-COVID and pre-everything. Yeah. These are the good old days.
0: Back when life was normal, no mask.
1: I was going to say, not normal opiate epidemic was in full force. But So they did this survey online, and they looked at different gender, age, race, education, and all of that. So they repeated it, like I said, in 2022. Also, I love it. Done again in October. Mm. and. Post-COVID. Roughly the same. Post-COVID, is there ever going to be something as post-COVID?
0: We're post-COVID forever now.
1: Um, It's kind of like I went to Gustavus and people always ask, are you pre-tornado or post-tornado? That's just how your timeline.
0: Unless you were the tornado. Uh That'd be different.
1: Ooh, (laughs) wait, wait, wait. So
0: we're going to talk a little bit about the differences in that time and what they've noticed and, uh, you know, this is a sample of a couple thousand rural adults too. It's not like they interviewed 10 people out in Nimrod, Minnesota. This is a crew, a big crew.
1: Okay, for people who have critiqued us or critiqued you on using the phrase Nimrod, Minnesota, in case people are not from Minnesota, I mean people who are from Minnesota who has no idea about this community. There actually real... is a real community call that we're not trying to be offensive to anybody. No. So it's... anyway, the data, I just want to say that's plus or minus 2% points in this data. So anyway, mm. we're going to break it down into four categories. Really? That's what Ruth did.
0: <laughs> well, you go ahead then. So
1: we're going to start with the access to the mental health treatment. So this is focusing on mental health. This is going to, we'll get to the opioids soon. but. I think it's important to... Are you completely lost? Oh, no. Okay. No. This is what my slide looks
0: like. Uh, Mine's look different because... You flipped it over. I made mine bigger (laughs) so that I could see them better from a long distance.
1: Anyway, so in 2022, about half of rural adults say they or a family member actually sought care for mental health. 32% say they themselves have. So the first part was anybody in your family or yourself in the second part of that was just in themselves. So 30, about a third of people themselves in this study in 2022 say they have sought care from a mental health professional.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, I think I was really impressed by how significant a number that was.
1: I, yeah, I was very surprised, especially because if you think about rural America, what kind of access do these people have to a mental health professional?
0: Yeah, it's, and it's hard. I mean, that's hard to get in. So I think that, that, you know, one of the issues, and they actually, and the other issue is the stigma, right? The right. shame associated with it. And they actually looked at that and asked a lot of questions about, you know, whether or not people felt shame or stigma associated with calling in and getting an appointment with a mental health care person.
1: So they felt that the shame was mostly, or the stigma was mostly associated with, like their feelings of how they would be looked at or treated from their community and less so from their family and friends. Yeah. They felt like it was much more acceptable from their family and friends than from the community itself.
0: And and the reality is, I mean, yeah, people worry that the rumor goes around, oh, they're crazy. There's they're no there's
1: no such thing as rumors in rural America, especially <laughs> Minnesota. Small <laughs> towns are not about gossip.
0: No. Never. Um <laughs> and so Uh
1: Uh-oh, there's a knock on the door.
0: No, it's probably food.
1: It's food. All right, so let's talk about how easy it is to access treatment. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay, how easy is it to access treatment in a local community or how difficult is it to access treatment for the mental health? So, and we're going to compare now 2017 to 2022. So, I mean, the good news is is everyone says it's easier as of 2022 than 2017.
0: Yeah, I found that pretty interesting. I would have thought it would be harder. And again, I'm looking a bit more post-COVID. You know, during COVID, it, I mean, people had a lot of mental health issues, couldn't get in, couldn't be seen. And there'd be a glut of people trying to get these appointments. But in fact, it's slightly easier.
1: Interesting, though, like if you actually look at the graphs here mental health treatment easier very easy went up just 6% of people responding it was easier some very easier somewhat easy that's 6% went yeah, up
0: not huge
1: now primary care treatment went up quite a bit like 6% plus 5% 11% yeah. it was easier to get mental health treatment through primary care so that's not through a mental health professional that's getting care for their mental health diagnoses through their primary care provider. So could that look like it was easier to access treatment, or is that just that more providers were more willing to treat it? Yeah. Especially if we're looking post-COVID.
0: I mean, if you look at the people who thought it was very difficult, you know, to see a primary care doctor, it dropped by about 3%, so it got easier. Mental health dropped by a third, yeah, like you said, and so it went from 15% to 10 So only 10% of people thought it was difficult in 2022 to find that mental health care.
1: Right. And then if we're looking at substances, treatment for alcohol use disorder, you know, went up about 4% in terms of somewhat easier, very easy to get treatment for, you know, alcohol use disorder. And it went up about, what, 4% to get treatment for other substance use disorders. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's increased. It's just not super significant.
0: Yeah. You know, I do think that's, uh, you know, and I don't know if you see that one area on heroin. Do you see the little area on heroin? Where 17% in 2017 thought it was very difficult to get care for addiction to heroin, and it dropped down to 12%.
1: That's very difficult.
0: Yeah. So, But there was a
1: lot of percentage of don't know went yeah. up a lot, too. Yeah. So... Anyway, so if you were a family member wanted to seek care from a mental health professional, how confident are you you'd be able to find treatment? So
0: Well, that was covered by their insurance. That was covered
1: by their insurance. That was easy to access. That was effective and affordable. So that's kind of how they looked at it here. So the total confidence as of 2022, this couldn't be compared to 2017 because they didn't ask the same question. About half the people were confident in, in all of these things. Yeah. So 50-50 that they were you know, confident that they could even get the care, that it would be paid for, it would be effective and affordable.
0: Yeah. So basically a 50-50.
1: Which, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that's such super great data, do you? Not so much. No. Okay, so let's go more into opioids.
0: Yeah, so this is a little bit more opioids. A majority of rural adults actually felt that they were comfortable having a conversation about opioid abuse where we would say opioid use, use disorder. disorder um but yeah i mean I, this frankly surprised me Super.
1: 77% and i think we'll talk about like who they're comfortable talking to about that in a minute so this question is just more in general vague are you even comfortable talking about it yeah
0: 77% i i find that really hard to believe. I mean, when you think Although about how is, hard it is to get to us and, and patients often don't this, want to talk
1: about it. But this is about how comfortable you're having a conversation. This doesn't say about yourself or treatment
2: oh, or acknowledging.
1: True. This is just how comfortable are you about having this conversation. So really, three-quarters are comfortable having this conversation. That doesn't mean it's not negative-based. Yeah. So you can go anywhere and they could be bashing all of our patients and they're still comfortable doing that. Right? Yeah kind of depends on how you flip it.
0: Mm. Now, this is not surprising to me uh, about the fact of, of rural adults saying that they know someone who's been uh, addicted to opioids or prescription painkillers. Or
1: themselves.
0: Or themselves. Uh, and I thought it would, you know, I think most when I go somewhere, I think anytime we go anywhere we speak, um, a significant number of the people in the audience have somebody in their family.
1: Right this is also hard though, because this is about 42% say that, like you said that, but 48% says they have no idea. Yeah, You know, so a lot of people know somebody, but 5% actually stated in here. So 5% of that 2,200 people. So about a hundred people said that they had taken an opioid or a prescription pain medication without a prescription. So a hundred people in rural America in this survey, admitted to having taken a diverted medication and about the same amount had also admitted to, you know, having a use disorder with that.
0: Yeah. And it's this whole thing of sharing, Oh, you got a backache? I've got something that uh, my doctor gave me. You should try it. It works great. And uh, yeah, don't do that. Uh, But it's interesting that 5% also had that were surveyed actually had a history of that. And I, I still think that's, to me, that seems high, Rurally.
1: Again, this was a blind survey, so maybe people were answering honestly.
0: I mean, but think about it. What's the the rate of an opioid use disorder is what two to three mm-hmm. percent, and we had five percent out of this. That just seems.
1: Which is why I feel the American Farm Bureau Federation is doing these studies to show that again, this is an epidemic in rural America, which is kind of how we started back in 2015, was acknowledging that this. Wasn't an inner-city problem.
0: Although technically it says I have abused or been addicted, so I don't know what abused means. Well, Misused would have been a better word, maybe.
1: Uh, whatever. Okay, so <laughs> this is interesting. This is uh, I found this very interesting to be completely honest with you. So, a person who was in here's the quote: In dealing with your addiction to opioids, how comfortable were you in talking about your per- your addiction with each of the following? So this is an N of 110. So this is the 5% that stated that they had abused or been addicted that like Kurt just mentioned. So this is of 110 people. Who were they most comfortable talking to about their use?
0: Yeah, this is stunning, really.
1: 70% of that 110 were comfortable talking with friends.
0: Hmm. It seems like people are more secretive than that. I would have thought that would have been much
1: less. Right
0: but siblings they'll talk to their sibling well, 50% the of the time.
1: And then parents 46% of the time.
0: Yeah, not talking to mom and
1: dad. No. I found it interesting that 19% said they would talk to social media. Like <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to post this one.
1: But think about it. I'm I'm I think when we're thinking rural America and these adults, I think my initial thought is people ages 50 and higher maybe. Mm. But you got to think like look in the communities that we have been to or we live in if we're doing a cross-section of adults i mean we're talking 20 year olds too and if you look at social media people post about this to help get other people aware and have awareness and to get support for themselves or to help support others and so one in five of this 110 were comfortable sharing and whether that was because they were looking for help or trying to help others i think probably makes sense. You know,
0: it's interesting that if you look, there's 10 different groups that they asked whether you'd be comfortable talking to this group or that group, including grandparents and whatever. There's still about 1 in 5 people who really don't feel comfortable talking about it at all. Correct. I mean, if you look at the average of that Correct. of those 10. And I think there are always going to be people who just don't tell anyone.
1: And for how much things like AA and treatments have typically been faith-based, um, and people always you know talk about that. only about twenty nine percent were comfortable talking with some type of a faith-based organization, roughly the same amount that were comfortable talking to their grandparents. <laughs>
2: yeah. Come
0: on, grandpa, I'm gonna have a little talk with you. So anyway, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. A lot of people just aren't going to say a word.
1: So that's kind of the background data. Um, we'll come back next week. Oh wait, we have one more page, never mind. Yes, we do. Sorry, and then we'll cut to next week. Yeah, and this
0: was a uh, you're talking about this one.
1: Um, yes.
0: Yeah. That compared to 2017, rural adults in 2022 have experienced opioid addiction are more comfortable talking about their addiction with friends.
1: So this is kind of the same thing we just talked about, but comparing it to 2017.
0: Yeah. So so. Yeah, and but less comfortable talking about their addiction with grandparents. So. <laughs> I don't find that surprising at all. I don't either.
1: <laughs> I don't either. I love that the grandparents was even on there. Although, you know, some, I guess, some rural communities, grandparents are much more involved in the family.
0: Yeah, certain cultural things. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: But extended family members in general did go up.
0: I think if I have sat down with my grandma and said, do you want to talk about opioids? She'd say, what? <laughs> what is that?
1: <laughs> I don't right.
0: know what you're talking about. But um, friends
1: went way up. Yeah. And, yeah. Otherwise, everything was pretty stable. So. Of
0: course, my grandma was 100, so. She couldn't probably even hear me to talk about
1: it. <laughs> she predated all medications. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they didn't have meds when she was, <laughs> it was little. It's
1: like, no penicillin even.
0: No, they didn't. <laughs> she she lived through the uh, flu of 1919.
1: Yeah. Well, we lived through COVID, <laughs> yeah. so there. Our yeah. kids are going to talk about. Grandkids are going to talk about us back, you know, in the future. Probably. My hundred-year-old grandma lived through COVID.
0: All right, now I'm going to cut you off. We're done.
1: We're done until next week. We're going to come back to the rural thing. We're going to talk about more perceptions of opioid abuse or opioid use in rural areas, as well as what are some solutions to this crisis in rural world.
0: Yeah, and understand they put the word abuse in there. We we did not. We did not. It's on these forms. So thank you, everyone, for listening. We will talk with you next
1: week. This podcast is brought to you by Ars Langa Media.
0: And produced by Dr. Patrick Beeman. And, of course, the music is by Battle Legs on Spotify.
1: To reach out to us for any type of information or questions, please email us at the Podcast at gmail.com.
2: my breath and kick my feet and move my arms around. I move my arms around. This summer I swam in the ocean and in the swimming pool. Salt saw my wounds chlorine my eyes. I'm a self-destructive fool. I'm a self-destructive fool. And the butterfly and the old Australian crawl, the old Australian crawl. The summer I swam in a public place and a reservoir to boom. This summer I went swimming This summer I might have drowned